thank Brad and our team and everyone who's participated in the worship gathering so far. It's good to see you uh, today and uh, good uh, to join those online listening on the phones and through Facebook and YouTube. We are glad to worship King Jesus together. My name is Warren Brosey and our mission here at Berlin Christian Church is to make more and better followers of Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 38 through 48. And it's also on page 786 on the Pew Bible there in front of you if you'd like to follow along or pull out your phone or electronic device and follow along there. It was August 28, 1945, and Jackie Robinson was in the office of the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers Branch Rickey in his office, and Branch Rickey was getting ready to sign him to a major league contract to break the color barrier for Major League Baseball, 1945. But before he had Jackie Robinson sign that contract, in the movie at least, in the movie called 42, Branch Rickey asked Jackie, said, are you ready to to go through what's about to happen? When we go on the road and we go to hotels, there's going to be people that are going to say, you have to sit here or you won't serve your kind here. And you're going to have lots of people say unkind things to you and call you names. Can you handle that? And he was getting aggressive in his tone and tried to press an answer out of Jackie. Are you ready for what you're about to get into? Answer me. And Jackie, at least in the movie, says, you want to have somebody that's got the guts to fight back? And Branch Rickey says, no, no, I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. Echo a curse with a curse, and they'll hear only yours. Follow a blow with a blow, and they'll say the Negro lost his temper. That the Negro doesn't belong. Your enemy will be out on force. You cannot beat him on his own low ground. Like our Savior said, you got to have the guts to turn the other cheek. Can you do it? And that same question that Branch Rickey asked Jackie Robinson that day in 1945 is the foundation of the words from Jesus that he gave on that beautiful sermon on that mountainside overlooking the Sea of Galilee many, many years ago. And that's our sermon text for today. I invite you to follow along as I read Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. The words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And if you greet only your own people, what are you, going, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray and ask God to guide us in our time of his word, with His Word. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you for this sermon that you have preached and that we have read. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to a different type and different kind of love that you're calling your followers to. I pray that you'd open our eyes to the spirit of your text here. Open our eyes to those around us who need your love. And Jesus, I say thank you for loving us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So we look out over these verses, it seems quite clear that Jesus calls us to love our enemies. Jesus calls us to love our enemies. I mean, it's right there in the first few verses. It says, you've heard that it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other. Someone wants to sue you, take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, you go two miles. Give the one who asks. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow. Then he says in verse 43, You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Right out of the gate, Jesus simply calls us to a high calling. Jesus wants us to love our enemies. But that's hard to do, isn't it? Let's be honest, that's hard to do. In this section of this beautiful sermon that Jesus preaches here in Matthew chapter 5, he's talking about in chapter 5, 17, do not think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to, to throw the Old Testament away. No, I've come to fulfill them. And then he starts walking through some of the Ten Commandments and some of that legal foundation of the Old Testament that we need to understand. And he says, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I tell you, even if you're angry with someone, you might as well have killed them. Last week we talked about, Jesus says, you know, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. That was one of the Ten Commandments. But I said, don't even look at someone lustfully. You've already committed adultery with her in your heart. He says, you know, give, if, you, if, if you divorce someone, give her a certificate of divorce. You've heard it said, but, but I value the covenant of marriage is what Jesus says. And he says, you've heard that it says, don't break your oath. But I say, just simply say yes or no. And now he says, you've heard that it was said eye for eye and tooth for tooth. You may have heard those words before, but did you know those are in the Bible? They're in there a handful of times. I want to take you to two of those places. It's in Exodus chapter 21. Go ahead and go there with me. Exodus chapter 21. Exodus is the second book of the Bible. It goes, starts with Genesis, and then you go to Exodus chapter 21. In Exodus 20 are the Ten Commandments that Jesus has highlighted, a couple of those, the murder and the adultery commandment. Then you go to chapter 21. Verses 23 and 20 through 25. And here's, he's given some examples of what happens if you hurt somebody. Exodus 21, verses 23 through 25. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, 
eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. So if somebody hits you, you, you hit them back. That's kind of the law. Now, it, it, what it is, is he's setting out the, the legal precedent so that you don't take the law into your own hands. This is kind of the punishment. If you do this, this is what will happen to you. And so he's not saying take revenge, but it's like, here's the equal punishment for the crime. Make sure that the punishment fits the crime. But the intent, it appears to be, is don't take the law into your own hands. Okay? Don't seek revenge. Scripture is very clear. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. There's another time that this shows up, and this one's even scarier. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 19, 21. So just go a couple more books. You go Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 21. I love hearing the Bible's turning, and I... And I'm sure if, if I could hear uh, the, 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 your sliding your phones, I'm sure that sounds beautiful too. <laughs> I'm just glad that we're in the God's Word because we value God's Word here at Berlin Church. And so ex, uh, this is Deuteronomy 19, verse 21. And it's the, uh, the context, again, of, you know, if somebody commits a crime, does something bad, um, he says, show no pity. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Hand for hand, foot for foot. Show no pity. You do something wrong, you will be punished. And so Jesus is calling out those commands from the Old Testament. And then in this sermon, back in Matthew 5, he says, You've heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. We saw, we saw evil earlier in verse 37. When he says, simply say yes or no, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So don't resist an evil person. Someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Commentators spend a lot of time, so is this like a, a fist? Is this an open face? Is it a backhanded slap of rebuke? Let's just be honest. Anytime somebody slaps you, is that a good day? No, there's, there's some issues here. We've got something going on here. We've got problems, okay? And so he said, if someone slaps you on one side, offer them the other as well. It's kind of hard. Then he goes on, he says, if someone wants to sue you, we want to take you to court and take your shirt, you hand over your coat as well. In the Old Testament, in Jesus' day, you could take someone's coat for the daytime, but you had to give it back to them at night because they'd need to stay, keep warm. So you couldn't do that. But he's like, if they want to take your shirt, you just say, hey, here's my coat too. If anyone forced you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Jesus' hearers would have understood what he was talking about. They would have instantly thought, Roman Empire. The Roman soldiers could compel anyone to carry their pack one mile. No questions asked. You had to do it. And so they would say, Emperor, Rome, the Roman Empire, the ones who are oppressing and ruling over us, they can do that to us. And he says, if they ask you to do one mile, you take it for them for two miles. Then he continues, give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. He gives four examples of ways to love those who are wanting to hurt you. Four different examples. Jesus calls us to love our enemies. When I think about that, 
Jesus kind of did that, didn't he? Somebody slaps you on one cheek, you turn them the other. They did slap Jesus, did you know that? They hit him and punched him. He didn't hit back. They took his clothes. Maybe all of them. Maybe he had his little loincloth up on the cross, but it does say that they took his clothes and they were gambling for him. Someone takes your shirt, you give them your coat as well. So Jesus is not going to ask us to do something that he has not already done. And it's even prophesied there in Isaiah chapter 50, hundreds of years before Jesus shows up. Isaiah 50 verses 6 through 8 sounds a little bit like what Jesus may have experienced on the cross. Kind of there in the middle of your Bible, maybe a little bit past halfway. Isaiah 50 verses 6 through 8. I have offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will be, not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Only those who there in the cross of Christ, on the cross of Jesus, find faith in the victory over evil, can obey his command. The only way you can resist evil people, the only way you can love your enemies, is by staring deeply into the cross of Christ. Because there, Jesus displayed that love for enemies. An early Christian by the name of Polycarp, no, it's not some type of fish, Polycarp, early Christian, may have been, you know, knew like James and Peter and some of the disciples possibly. He's that, that old of a guy. Late first century into the 100 to 155 A.D. roughly. Here's what he wrote. He wrote a letter to the, to the church in Philippi, much like the Apostle Paul, Philippians. He says, pray also for kings and potentates. Doesn't sound like a cool word. Those who are in power, rulers, uh, princes, and those that persecute and hate you. And for enemies of the cross, that your fruit may be manifest to all, that ye may be perfect in him. So Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Polycarp says that. Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your father is perfect. Polycarp was 86 years old, according to tradition. And the Roman Empire had had enough. They took this 86-year-old man and burned him as a martyr. And they gave him a chance, hey, recant Jesus and we'll let you live. And he's reported to say, 80 and 6 years have I served him and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Polycarp knew what it was like to love your enemies. But not only does Jesus call us to love our enemies, calls us to love our neighbors. It's in our text there, verse 43. You've heard that it says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I don't know where it says that it hates your enemy, but the idea of love your neighbor is scriptural. 
You go to Leviticus. So we like these Old Testament texts here. Go to Leviticus. So again, back there in your Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, 19. 19 verse 18. Here's what it says. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's where it's found in the Bible. Verse 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. I think this is a lot of the heart of the text. Don't try to get back. Don't seek revenge. Don't seek vengeance. Don't bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Whenever you read through all of those commands in your Old Testaments, when you do your one-year Bible reading plan, and it gets to all those really strange laws, a lot of times there's this common refrain, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. The reason God is specific on some of these commands is because he's perfect and pure and holy, and he wants his character preserved. He loves us. And so he says, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. In the New Testament, Jesus is asked a couple different times, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, well, the greatest commandment, Matthew 22, 37 to 40, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. And you remember here in our sermon, Matthew 5, 17 to 20, all the law and the prophets are summarized with this. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill them. And there's a time in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, where a person comes to Jesus and says, and Jesus, who is my neighbor? He says, well, there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell along some robbers, and they beat him up and stripped him of his clothes and left him half dead there in a ditch. And a priest comes down, and he sees the place where the man is in the ditch, and he passes by on the other side. And so, too, a Levite, he comes walking down that path, and he sees the man in trouble, and he passes by. But then there's a Samaritan, those outcast people, those people that we don't like. A Samaritan comes by, and he sees the man, and he goes to him, and he bandages up his wounds and he pours oil and wine to heal and, and puts him on his animal and, and takes him into the, the town and, and puts him in an inn and pays for his room and board for a couple of days and he says, take care of him and I'll be back and if I owe you anything else, I'll make it right. And Jesus says, who was the neighbor to the man in the ditch? And the guy couldn't even see, say Samaritan. He says, the one who had mercy the one who had pity on him. He is the neighbor. How are we going to love our neighbors this week? We've been through this window of 21 days of prayer, 21 days with God. I'm just excited to see how God has moved and continue to move. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, for 21 days there this past month, we had people praying together, just prayer partners. And you just pick a person and pray. Say, can we just pray together? And you just take turns every other day praying. And it's just three or four or five minutes of prayer. And uh, some people are continuing that, and I just want to commend you. And uh, I've, I've uh, got a new prayer partner for the next 21 days, and it's, it's great. 
And so if you haven't tried that, I want to encourage you to get a prayer partner and pray either over the phone, if you're able to see each other physically, uh, pray together uh, in person. But take advantage of that. And during this prayer culture that we're experiencing, uh, you know, we had a, a moment Wednesday night with, with me and a couple others, and I said, hey, let's pray. And I loved it because the, just a minute ago, the guy was changing a, a battery or checking an emergency light detector, and he came down off the ladder and said, will you pray with us? And he said a prayer. And then within like 24 hours of what we prayed for, I got a message that that prayer was answered. And I love that. And then Friday night at the ball game, after the game, there's one of our teens. He came up and said, hey, during advisory today, me and two others, we just prayed together. God is moving and God is working when we pray. One way we can love our neighbors is just pray with them. Pray for them. Have another opportunity for us. Are you ready for this? In basketball, when you need a score, you call a quick hitter. That's what we used to say. You, know, you, need, you need a quick score. And so we've got a quick hitter opportunity to love our neighbor this next week. Um, again, I was at the ball game Friday night. One of the leaders from the school came up and said, Hey, uh, would your church and the churches be willing to help us? We've got some hygiene issues going on at school, and we just need some, some things to give to the kids. And so we're going to collect um, probably some shampoo and soap and deodorant, and we'll put them in some Ziploc bags, and we're going to take them to school here in the next week or two. How cool is that, that uh, someone recognized, hey, I think the church can help us with this to love our neighbor. So your assignment, should you choose to accept it, between now and next Sunday, we're just going to cut this off next Sunday-ish, uh, just so we get it, get it done because these kids need some, some help, is to go get some soap or deodorant or shampoo. You know what it takes to keep you clean. <laughs> so let's get some things to get these kids uh, feel clean and love. Maybe there's, we want to put some mints in there. I don't know. Just think of some tangible ways. We'll put them in some Ziploc bags. We'll take them to school and just say, Jesus loves you. Uh, so uh, we're going to just do this this week. We'll get some more information. We'll send something out in the email. Uh, but let's take an opportunity to love our neighbors this week. Uh, the goal is to have uh, 50, 50 um, kits for, for boys and 50 for girls. So 100 of these kits we're going to shoot to put together. So uh, join us in that to love our neighbor. And I'm just thankful uh, for the opportunity and the relationship that we have with our school that uh, those things can happen at Friday night uh, basketball games and we can love our neighbors. So Jesus calls us to love our enemies. Jesus calls us to love our neighbors. And let's be honest, sometimes it's hardest to love those who are near, <laughs> maybe that we live with. I mean, sometimes we're hard to live with, I'll be honest, Okay. So we're thinking about how we can love our neighbors. But as I was looking through these 10 verses this week, the verse that unlocked it for me was verse 45. Verse 45, and it starts out with the word that, which may not be a big deal for you, but whenever you see the word that, or in order that, or so that, that should be a, a, like a neon flat sign to say, there's a purpose here. This is called, I'm sorry to take you to grammar school for a couple minutes, but this is called a purpose clause. And so it's the reason, what is the purpose for all of this? What is the purpose to love our neighbors? What is the purpose to love our enemies? The purpose is, Jesus says, verse 44, leading into 45, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you, 
that you may be children of your Father in heaven. I was like, whoa, that sounds pretty good. Don't you want to be called God's kid? Now we are because we're creating His image. But if you want that deeper, holy, good relationship, then this is what it looks like. When you love your neighbors, when you love your enemies, you're children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son, I underline the word His, that sunshine up there, that ain't yours. That's His sunshine. He causes His sunshine to rise on the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so, if, if I understand it correctly, when we love our enemies and our neighbors, God calls us family, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And Jesus, God is modeling this love for both enemies and neighbors at the same time when he brings the sunshine up every day. And I didn't hear anything recorded in the history books, but I think, I think the sunshine rose over Nazi Germany as much as it did Pearl Harbor that day. I think God sends the rain on the north and the south during the Civil War. Sends it on the evil, the good, the just, the enemies, dear not your There's some common grace that God just pours out on everybody, whether you deserve it or not. And maybe part of the lesson here is that we extend this love to those, even though they don't deserve it, because that's what God does every single day through his love and care for us. Think about this beautiful section of Scripture. And he says there, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? That's verse 46. Verse 47, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? He said, okay, if you love those who love you, good job. Even the crooks do that. He said, but I'm calling you something higher and deeper. Jesus' followers love people who are hard to love. Does anybody else have problems with that, or is it just me? Okay, because there's just people that don't say thank you, and there's people that think they deserve to be treated nicely, and that you, they expect you to do that because, I mean, they're worth it and valuable, right? Which they are, but they have this entitled view they're hard to love sometimes. And there's sometimes that people, they smell or they just have habits that you don't like or there's just frustrating things. And you just, it, there you are, hard to love. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what, what reward is that? The tax collectors do that. And if you greet only your own people, so now he's kind of doing some racial things going on here. So if you just look, greet people that like you, what good is that? What are you doing more than other peoples? Even the pagans, the nations, the Gentiles love their own people. That's not really putting yourself in good company. So we as followers of Jesus are called to love people that are different, that look different than us, that talk different than us. That's why I love having our mission moment talking about Methetes Youth Ministries in the Philippines and how we have a commitment to reach the nations because God is a God who loves the world. And not just people who look like you and me and talk like you and me. And so, when that happens, here's the lesson for today. Our Father's perfect love turns enemies into family. 
Our Father's perfect love turns enemies into family. Because there, that verse 48 is one of the challenging verses. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That sounds impossible. There's only one who's perfect, and we ain't him. But maybe this perfect is describing the love that God has for us. And if you're here last week, I talked about how the kingdom relationships are founded on sacrificial love. Jesus says, don't murder. I say, don't even be angry with someone. Sacrificial love. Don't commit adultery. Don't even look at them in a wrong way. Sacrificial love. Honor your marriage vows. Sacrificial love. Keep your word. Love your enemies. Lay down your life for them. Sacrificial love. So it's looking through this 10-verse section. I just kept hearing Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek. Meek is not weak. I think it's strength under control. Someone hits you, turn the other cheek. That's meek. Blessed are the merciful. Somebody asks you to go one mile, go with them a second mile. They ask you to borrow something, you give it to them. Blessed are the peacemakers. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted. It's in 1956. As a Christian missionary pilot, Nate Saint was taking a group of five missionaries into the jungles of Ecuador. And they were going to make a connection with the Alka Indians. It was a native tribe, never heard the good news of Jesus. And after a few series of engagements and exchanging gifts, uh, they thought, okay, we can establish a base here and we'll, we'll have this hut. We're going to live in the trees and just slowly become friends with these and the people with the hope of exchanging the love of Jesus with them. Well... On one fateful day, those five missionaries were speared to death by those Indians, the Alka Indians. And, uh, wow, they came to love them and they were killed for it. Jim Elliott was in that group, if you recognize that name. Some of them went back to the States. Rachel, uh, the sister of, of Nate, stayed. And over the course of 10 years, showed the love of Jesus to those who killed her brother. Nate had a couple kids. Steve was one of them. And they would come in on occasion to visit Aunt Rachel. Steve was about five years old when his dad was killed. So he's 14, 15. At that age where he's ready to decide if he wants to follow Jesus. And on that trip to Ecuador, he wants to get baptized, he and his sister. And guess where they got baptized? On the beach where their dad was killed. Guess who baptized them? One of the men who killed their dad and those in the audience, they became Christians because of a faithful lady and showed the love of Jesus. And the guy who killed their dad baptized them into Jesus. 
and actually ceremonially adopted him to be his new dad. How in the world does that happen? Unless Jesus has something to do with it. Steve Saint, read the book End of the Spear. And so our Father's perfect love turns enemies literally into family in the story of Nate and Steve Saint's family. A couple questions and one more story. Who's an enemy who needs your prayers this week? Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Who's someone that just needs you to pray? You may not be ready to shake their hand, but at least you can say a prayer. Who's an enemy you need to say a prayer for this week? And then who is a neighbor who needs your love this week? Who is a neighbor that needs your love this week? One of my favorite books outside the Bible is To Kill a Mockingbird. My daughter Grace and I love reading that together. And so we started reading some of that last month. And if you know the story of To Kill a Mockingbird, it's Atticus Finch and his two kids, Jem and Scout. And Scout goes to the first grade, first day. It does not go very well for that strong-willed little girl. And that teacher was her first year of teaching. She was trying to figure this new culture of Macomb County out. It did not go very well. In fact, the teacher... Um, told scouts, your dad needs to stop reading the newspaper to you. I'm the one who's qualified to teach you how to read. Well, that didn't go too well for a little scout, and she came home. Dad, teacher says, you can't read too many more, and dad Atticus says, hey, let's see if we can work out a compromise. And he teaches her what a compromise is. And he's just kind of helping her coach through her day because had a run-in with a teacher. There was a fellow student that was shamed. And there were just some different things that was just going on. And here's what his advice was to his young little girl. First of all, Atticus said, if you learn a simple trick, Scout, you'll get along better with all kinds of folks. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view. Sir, Atticus continues, until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. Until you climb into someone's skin and walk around in it. You ever done that before? That sounds pretty intense. And as I hear those words from Atticus Finch, it sounds like Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he became human, took on the form of a man. He took on skin, God with skin. He walked around in our skin. 